This encore program for Fire on the Earth was chosen based on the request from many listeners. Ave Maria Radio and Renewal Ministries presents Fire on the Earth, a compelling look at the new evangelization through inspiring teachings, interviews, and testimonies. Welcome, friends. We're talking this week about, in some ways, the promises of God and the power that we have access to in hearing the promises of the Lord and accepting those promises, trusting them, abandoning ourselves to them, engaging with Jesus like he's a real person, because he is a real person, but we can easily live as if the promises of God are something that are kind of way out there or way off in the future somewhere, don't apply to my life right now. I don't really hear God anyway. I don't know how to make those promises my own. I don't experience God's power in my life. It's hard for me to quote unquote hear God. I don't know how all this works. And so there's a fair number of people, I think, who experience life, their life of faith like that. And I want to tell you on today's program, you're not stuck. You don't have to be stuck there. It's not like this just happens to be your lot in how the dice have, have fallen for you in the Christian life. No. Every single one of us has been given a promise by a God who never lies. And the promises he's given us are meant to awaken us to, to hear what he has planned for us and then to give us an opportunity to trust him and to move toward him, toward the fullness of what he has in store for us. There's a powerful dynamic in becoming a child of God, walking in the spirit. And that dynamic is we have a part to play. And we have to engage the Lord from the heart to have a desire to walk in the fullness of God and then do our part. Now, Jesus makes clear in this section of John's gospel that we're reflecting on, John 14. If you didn't have a chance to tune in the program this week, we've been talking about one of the key promises, Jesus saying, if you, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Those who love me keep my commandments. And those who keep my commandments, the Father will love, and I will love, and will draw you into the love between the Father and the Son, and I will manifest myself to you. And that promise of receiving manifestations of Jesus, a growing revelation in our mind, our heart, our spirit, not a 24-7 kind of emotional high, I'm not getting at it, but Jesus really the Holy Spirit helping us as we hunger and thirst and pursue the Lord to give us insight, not just intellectual insight, but experience of God's radical love, a faith, a strengthening of faith, hope, and love, faith that what Jesus is exactly who he said he was, faith that helps us see his glory, majesty, power, his victory, what he's won for us, so we can see it more deeply, experience it, celebrate it, and own it and receive it in our own lives. And the, the great power that's in hope, that confident expectation of the fulfillment of our life and our destiny and what we see in Jesus is we have this confidence that, yes, where he is, what he possesses, what he's done, this is my inheritance and it begins now. And as Paul said, we're not disappointed in this hope because why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. The love of God 
has been poured into each of the baptized, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And that's a lifelong process, a deeper burning of love. And that comes from following Jesus, doing our part. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the nothing we can't do apart from God. We can't transform our inner life. We can't bring about profound, that profound peace Jesus is talking about, that sustaining joy, the freedom that's really the inheritance of the sons and daughters of God. We can't make that happen. We can make some steps toward that on our own willpower, but not really the fruit and life of the Spirit. But it doesn't just get dropped on us. It comes from living and pursuing the fullness of relationship, the free response to love, from the free giving ourselves to that love and saying yes to it, that dynamic. You see how that's the life-giving dynamic because that's the life between the Father and the Son. They give themselves to each other. Eternal self-donation, eternal surrender, honoring, serving, loving, obeying. There's nothing greater. It's hard for us to see that there's nothing greater because there's so many things that, one, we're still in the flesh. Many of us, we're not very mature in our walk in the Lord. We're still really attracted to what glitters in this world. We're preoccupied by it day and night. So we don't have a lot of room to surrender and we're not, we're not convinced yet. Many people were just simply not convinced that that kind of radical exchange is worth it or that's going to pay off. What's the payoff, right? For the investment. There's a risk here, but really friends, there's no risk when it comes right down to it, but it feels like there's a big risk. Yeah, if I get, if I get too serious about this, it's just going to, it's not clear to me where it's all going to go. My life is probably going to change in a way that maybe I'm not going to like. Uh, it could cost me something. I don't know. And so there's a constant valuation going on of, well, how far should I go into this? You know, how deep should I go? In other words, how much should I trust? And friends, that's living in a place of lukewarmness. It's still a blindness that's on the mind and on the heart. It's still a veiling of the truth. It's not seeing God as God really is. It's not trusting. It's a little bit of that garden reality, you know, the, the garden where the devil said, you know, can you really trust him? He told you not to touch what? Why would he do that? Oh, I get it. I know why he would do that. He doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to be absolutely free, your own person. That temptation is still there, this lack of trust of God. And Jesus is there on the cross saying, you can trust him totally, absolutely. And I'll give you my spirit to help. But you've got to repent of the dimension of your life where you're not interested, where you're not trusting. And come to the Lord and say, Lord, Jesus, I trust in you. I confess, Lord, where I'm really at. And the, and the many times I'm just tempted to hold back. To not get too serious, to put limits so I can keep control of my life. Cause I'm not sure where it's going to go if I give it all to you by seeking you first. That's what's in the balance here, friends. You know, there's many, many baptized people that are on the wrong side of that. 
that are still barely out of the batter's box, haven't even made it to first base, haven't gone into the fullness and really desiring and abandoning to say, yeah, oh, this is a total win. This is an amazing investment. I can't lose if I do this because I'm moving toward eternal life. I'm moving toward sharing in God's life. And I'm listening to the most trustworthy being ever, the source of what trust actually is. Fidelity itself, faithfulness, goodness, love itself. So what am I hesitating for? And lots of people who've had the waters of baptism, the holy anointing of baptism on their life, still haven't even beheld the treasure that's hidden in the field, as I talked about earlier this week, and certainly haven't invested to buy the field to possess the treasure. We haven't dropped our nets. We're clinging. We're holding on to it. And that's why we see in so many areas of the church so little effectiveness in terms of the church's mission. The church's power, the power of the church's mission flows from relationship with God. It flows from union with God. It flows from holiness. It flows from radical love of God. You can't fake that. The saints show us what it can look like. And look at the impact saints have. I was thinking the other day of the life of St. Francis. I do that quite a bit, actually. He's my favorite saint. and I was just in different parts of the country where there's just tremendous, you know, material success and massive comfort, influence, and just kind of seeing it. And it made me think about even things like the pyramids or monuments and how great people in history have built huge monuments to themselves because they didn't want to be forgotten. What they built, who they were, their status, their name, their power, their influence, their uniqueness, the great conquerors, they just want to be remembered forever, immortalize them, secure their immortality. And then I was thinking of St. Francis. St. Francis died naked in the dirt. In fact, he was with his just a small collection of his friends as he's dying, his body's in pain, and he's wearing that rag, you know, that garment that the Franciscans wear, and his was full of holes and patched probably and things, and you can actually see it in Assisi if you visit. And one of the brothers said to him, I can't remember who it was, Francis, that garment doesn't belong to you, in so many words, that we need to take it back. And Francis was overwhelmed with gratitude that he had a brother who loved him enough to tell him that he had nothing. And Francis was rejoicing to say, I, I have no crown. I have nothing. I'm a, I die a poor beggar. And I can only trust completely in God's love. I know he's trustworthy. I don't have any trophies and things to bring to him to show that I've earned it or I have a win. And there he is, that broken body, sick and dying in the dirt. No big fanfare, no glory. And ever since that day, pretty much, people have come to that place where he died or close to that place. For more than 700 years, people from all over the world, every tribe, nation, and tongue, in the millions, I think on average it's like somewhere between 5 and 7 million people come every year 
just to be at his tomb and to pray. They're so captivated by, by what? By a saint. By a man who bought it all. Who gave it all. Who left the world. That's how he described it. When the brothers asked him to tell the story of how it all began, he said this amazing thing. He said, well, uh, he's told this later in life, dictated it, and in such simple terms, so St. Francis-like. He said, the Lord sent me to the lepers, and they made me sick. And he was ashamed of that. you know. He, and he just didn't want to be around them. His body was repulsed by them. You know, it's the natural reaction. And then he said, but God made them sweet to me. Then I tarried for a while. And then I left the world. Remember what Jesus said about, the scripture says, be in the world, but not of the world. St. Francis was someone who was deeply in the world. He had a massive impact on the world. He cared. He loved God's creation. But he was not a slave to the world. He was a slave to Christ. He was a, he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he went all the way. And friends, when, when we're half in, half out, we have a dull spirit. We're not open to the fullness of the Spirit's work in us. We don't advance because we're not hearing the Spirit. We're not going deeper. And that means we're not bearing the fruits. And so this is what the Lord's offering to us, especially at this time of trial. God bless you, friends. Have a great day. Each program of Fire on the Earth with Peter Herbeck can be downloaded at AveMariaRadio.net and RenewalMinistries.net. Fire on the Earth is a production of Ave Maria Radio. Friends, I'd like to offer you my new booklet, Receiving Fire. Jesus said, I have come to cast fire on the earth. Would that it were already ablaze. That fire is the purifying love that burns in the heart of Jesus. A fire of grace for those who receive it, but a fire of judgment for those who refuse it. If you'd like a copy of this free booklet, call 1-800-282-4789 or contact us on the web at renewalministries.net slash FOE. That's renewalministries.net slash FOE.